0: Yeah, let's go. We're live. Welcome Bye. to, welcome to co- Coffee Regular, everybody.
1: Splendid. Happy Friday.
0: Yeah, what's going on? Pressing go. the coffee right now. Beautiful. <laughs> Tell us what we're working with. All right, so today we're working with a uh, wet process. Well, okay, so from Brushtail Coffee, and it's the wet process Peaberry. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. And Mike likes a good peaberry, so I was like, I'm going to bump that up since he's coming. Over. Peaberry connoisseur, not really, but very good. <laughs> I don't know, dude, getting there. I've had a lot now. Uh, yeah, you've had a lot. I know what four, I Like Four or five different kinds? Now. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's good stuff. All right, so today, if all goes well. We have a guest. very special guest. A very special guest. Yeah. The dude, I met um, last year during quarantines. My name is Stephen Lambden. He was a um, on the 2016 Olympic team for Taekwondo. And he um, is probably the nicest human I've ever known. Like, if any you ever hear me say Stephen Thompson on the cast, I actually I meant to say Stephen Lambden. <laughs> They're equivalent. Um <laughs> Yes, Stephen Thompson is the MMA version of Stephen Lambden and vice versa. It's uh, yeah, it's one of those people that would absolutely boot you in the face and be like, "You cool man, you okay?" and then boot you in the face again and be like, "I'll buy dinner. It's cool."
1: Right. (laughs) So go a little further into his background for the non-Taekwondo person.
0: Um, Well, I mean, we intersected slightly. He was one of those cats that got good young, and like jumped up to senior team at a young age. Um, I never really met him, but I think he fought one of my coaches at team trials one year. Actually, because um, that—that's how close we are. And um, yeah, he's a heavyweight, or I guess Olympic heavy, which could be middleweight and up. He's above 185. He's a big ass <laughs> dude, um, and he's been on national team forever. Um, one time, ta- I mean, for a long time, like i don't know i'm sure he's got a number of how many different ones he's made because there's sort of multiple versions you can make there's the regular national team and then there's the like collegiate team and there's like pan am team and all that shit everything and he's been on it all and he made and he was like the, the super dark horse for the olympics it's, it's spectacular like what a way to win it nice. like to, to qualify to win it all this cool shit yeah like
1: you're explaining i think like he was stayed good throughout different style changes. And That's like, what
0: I want to talk to him changes. about is he's been around, I mean, every version except paper scoring. So paper scoring was when you didn't really know the score. They would just sort of tell you in between rounds mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm losing. So he was lucky enough to come in at least during when they had like a, a scoreboard. Right. But um, <clears throat> the game has changed so much. Mm,
1: that is good. It's very good. Oh, so I was going to say, this just super good. It's actually, I'd say I might prefer this one in the French press over the pour over. I usually am always, you know, pour over snob,
0: Dang. especially with a
1: pea berry too. But mm. I think I prefer
0: this. I got the temp right, man. Yeah. Like, it's temp good. Temp is on point. Yeah. I'm very happy about it.
1: Oh, I've been drinking a ton of the Hawaiian cone stuff gaming. gave me oh you liking it yeah it's all very not all of it but like two of the three are very like smoky very smoky and ashy and kind of like tobacco-y i don't know if that's attributed to hawaii's something or other soil
0: or whatnot but it's very good i wasn't sure if he was gonna be like early for this or like on time or waiting he says Like it's hard to tell how people handle the internet. Yeah. Because like in real life, he seems like a dude that's 15 minutes early. It's hard
1: to handle but, digital meeting times. It's like what's appropriate. You mm-hmm. don't want to sit there for 15 minutes before and be like, "Hey, man, <laughs> Hey, where <laughs> you do?" I don't know. I mean.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, it's I don't have like a yeah, I don't have like a social norm for it. Yeah. So I was just, I'm already
1: awkward as shit anyway. So like. Uh uh-huh. yeah, Something like, like that. It's like, uh-uh. it, it sort of <laughs> brings
0: out your awkwardness, yeah. doesn't it? Like. Yeah.
1: But I don't know, it's almost, I feel like there's been like a shift socially, and people don't know how to people anymore, or drive.
0: Like, <laughs> Well, I don't know, in Columbus, has anyone ever known how to drive? But it's
1: particularly here? bad. Like, it's, there's people forgot, it took normal. too much
0: of a break. <laughs> <clears throat> right, exactly. We do have this sudden winter, like it was not really winter, and then and February 1st it. was like, winter! Yeah. <laughs> I really dumped on us. Yeah, I've shoveled three times this month. <laughs> Damn. I'm like son of a bitch. <laughs> like, what is this, Pennsylvania? I right. <laughs> like a good snow in winter, though. I'm not against it, man. If it's gonna be cold, it might as well be snow. Right. But I mean, I just don't like. I said, I don't see the point anymore. Why be cold? Yeah. I don't wear all these clothes. I know. I'm gonna be cold. Been real
1: cold lately. Uh, when I I'm gonna be cold. Bad. I'll take a cold shower. Like, yeah. Come we'll do the ice man. bath. Mm. That's okay. so good.
0: That is really good. I'm really I'm super pleased. Oh, oh, here he is. He's calling in. Okay. Connect. Stephen, what's up, man?
2: Hey, how's it going? Awesome. We hey. got you.
0: Oh, this is like the super paranoia part of like remote casting. Mm-hmm. Like, will will we get the? Will they be able to call in? Will they be able to do anything? Oh, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Well, what's funny is like I had I had followed the instructions in the email and I was sitting there and I looked and it was like nine oh two and it still hadn't done anything and so I I closed it out and hit it again and it was like you, it was up and running so I don't know if I joined too early or what but I was I was I was on time I promise.
0: Oh, I believe it. That's what I was just saying. I was like, he's the kind of dude that's fifteen minutes for early, fifteen minutes early for things. So I don't right. know if he's gonna be early or he's gonna be on time. I just didn't contact him right. Like, just all over the place. So <laughs> <Snow laughs> we're good. Awesome. So it's snowing in Ohio. How's Texas?
2: Um, we got a little bit of ice. Um, the problem here is everybody talks about how nobody can drive in bad winter weather. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, there's... Texas doesn't get snow. We just get ice, and it's like yeah, most oh. people don't have cars equipped for that, and it's like so. It's uh, I've been sequestered a little more than usual.
0: All right. Hmm. Well, yeah, we got a bunch of snow. We don't have ice, though, but no still nobody can drive. So right. That really any better on that front. Yeah, um, that's fair. All the time off and quarantine didn't help either. Mm-hmm.
1: Out of practice.
0: Uh, uh, so um, let me introduce you to my co-host, my buddy. Yeah, uh,
1: I'm Mike. Nice to meet you, man. Hey,
0: I'm,
2: I'm Steven. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. <laughs> thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me
0: absolutely all right so um to get started since we are a coffee podcast how's your coffee game these days bud
2: um i i i, I don't know how good it is but i can tell you i'm relatively snobby about it
0: that's what we, that's what i want to hear right up our alley that's good yeah. <laughs> uh, what you drinking
2: um believe it or not the one that i actually got turned on to recently uh is uh, Laird Hamilton's, like, Dark Roast that you can just get off, like, Amazon. It's surprisingly good, considering it's only, like, 30 bucks.
0: Oh, nice. I've been wanting to try his stuff. It looks tasty. Um. Well, I, I actually tried...
2: He has, like, a superfood, quote-unquote, uh, creamer that has a bunch of natural junk in it. It's supposed to make you, you know, cognitively perform better, but... Uh, it, it was actually really delicious, and that's what made me try his coffee. Because at first, I kind of did the, yeah, you know, some surfer. What does he know about coffee? <laughs> um, my my wife's worse about coffee than I am, and oh, she man. was she was snobby about it at first, and kind of basically said the same thing as, as me. She was like, "That'd be like if you started a coffee company." She's like, "I, it's it's gonna be terrible." And I was like, "Just try it." She was, "Oh, it's actually pretty good." And I was like, "Yeah, I know. Crazy, right?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> awesome left the and i now i gotta try it i got a confirmation yeah. that it's tasty
2: yeah it's it's worth the money for sure i haven't tried like the medium roast or anything like that but the dark roast is good
0: mm.
1: nice yeah i definitely wanted to try the creamers
2: <laughs> it, it's worth it like uh, i it's it's the only thing on amazon that i have on like a uh, subscription or whatever to get nice. auto shipped because we uh, my wife and I, if we get coffee from some, somewhere else like to go, we'll bring it home to add that creamer in. So it's it's worth it for sure.
0: That's awesome. Dang, cool. All right. Pick some of that up. All right. Off to a good start. All right. So um, I was just giving Mike a little bit of background on you, which um, I don't have a ton because I don't know. If you go on the Internet, Taekwondo before like 2012 doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's fair. That sucks. That's <laughs> my favorite era, like two thousand to two thousand and ten. Right. It's the best, in my opinion, and it's so hard to find. So, like, your entire early career is like just sort of in shadow. But, um, uh, what I really wanted to chat with you about today is I was thinking that like you've been around a long time. You got good pretty young, so you've got to see a bunch of different versions of taekwondo. And, yeah, um, for sure. You've had to adapt to – I mean, on the surface, I guess if you don't do it, it might look the same. But to me, it doesn't even look like the same sport anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I uh, When I started, like, for example, my first nationals uh, was paper scoring. So I fought mm-hmm. a nationals before they even had the scoreboards. Nice. So I'll like, be good old days. <laughs> yeah, if we, we kind of go through the genesis of that, it was like that means I fought a nationals – on paper scoring on the like old school scoreboards you see on YouTube, yeah, with, with the yeah with the guns, man, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the ones that like uh, because they because cameras were so crappy, like they're constantly flashing in the background because the frame rate's wrong.
0: Oh yeah, um, it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's like that.
2: LeJust, Dado, Dato KPMP, yeah, i pretty. Uh, it's it's one of those like one of the few things that I am proud and will you know. Toot my own horn about is like uh, I've, I've done pretty decent at adapting For quite a long time
0: <laughs> Now for um People who don't know the game All we're talking right. about is scoring but what changes Is you basically went from a back Leg player to a front leg player Like Try to <laughs> like, I mean, Well I don't know early on you had like a, a Pretty good heavyweight game for the day where you were Like a back kick guy a spin hook kick guy You had a real good double out of the clinch And then now you're like I have the best cut kick in the world. Check out my cut kick.
2: I'm like, what the
0: hell? How'd you do that?
2: Um, <laughs> it, 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 the genesis of it was uh, you know, when this transition to um, front leg started happening with electronic score, these electronic chess cards. Uh, I got tired of losing for stupid reasons. Like, okay. you know, you'd watch you'd watch my fights, and it would be like from an old school Taekwondo perspective. Like, if you couldn't see the scoreboard, you'd be like. Yeah, Stephen murdered that guy. Like that was that was a total ass kicking, and it was like then you put the scoreboard up, and it was like I was losing by double digits. (laughs) It was one of those. um, I I I, I like to think I'm I'm not the I'll I'll self admitted I'm not the Michael Jordan type mentality of like the Hey, we're playing ping pong, so I'm going to be a dick about it. Like I'm not that (laughs) kind of competitive. I just I like to win at what I choose to do. And so it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, not Michael Jordan. Don't care if I lose at ping pong. I get mad whenever I lose at taekwondo, though, because it's like, um, you know, supposedly this is what I do. And so uh, it, it the transition to front leg, I'd like, I, I wish it had happened significantly quicker. Um, and I was resistant, a little bit resistant to it at first, just because like a lot of people, it's ugly. I don't think it looks good. It's not as dynamic to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also born from um, a lack of understanding of evolution of sport, because I realized that I was being that guy. That's like, you'll find him online, not not near as often as probably back in the day. Although not online, uh, yeah, I, I realized I was being that guy that was like, I hate that they added the three point shot to uh, three point shot in the NBA. It's the worst, and it's like I realized <laughs> like, oh, I'm being that guy, and so I I just kind of. I had a real, for lack of a better way to put it, come to Jesus moment where I went, okay, like I either need to make drastic changes here if I'm if I'm going to stay competitive at the level that I want to compete at, or I need to shut my mouth and move on. And it was like um, I, I, I I regularly have to fight uh, the urge on Facebook to uh, just flay somebody that's being the guy that's like. Oh, there's you know the three point li- the three point lines ruined the NBA. And it's like no no, no, just be quiet. Let them let them let em go. And it's like I get it because taekwondo is definitely ugly compared to what it was. But, um, you know, now you actually have to hit the chest guard to score. You can't have the letters K O R on your uniform and kick somebody in the butt and win world championships.
0: Okay, so has it has it actually? Okay, so give a little context here i come mm. from the paper scoring and the um the initial like scoreboard yeah. era i never really fought under um electronic right. i kind of i kind of retired around 09 and i was really in and out between 07 and 09 with a shit ton of injuries so i didn't really compete right. like much um so for us the dream was to get rid of the politics that oh shit Korea's is just going to come forward and like chugging me and i'm going to lose no matter what right. i do did that actually happen? Is the um, game more fair?
2: So, uh, relatively, in the sense that, um, like, electronic chess guards, there's a lot of problems with them. Like, don't get me wrong, like, I say, yeah, you have to actually hit the chess guard to win. Um, there, I've lost big matches where oh, they scored and they didn't hit me. And it's like, so there's still issues for sure, but it's like- It still I, happens, I, okay. <laughs> yeah, what I like to tell people though is that for the most part, the electronic chess guards at least suck for everyone. Whereas like in the past, ah. oh, like I'm the best one in the division, but I have Korea in quarters and it's like, uh, like 2011 World Championships, I lost my quarterfinal to Korea on a head kick that didn't hit me. Like you can see it as clear as day on the video, but it's like that's that's a medal at World Championships that just got taken from me. And so I,
0: I lost the match at states like that once too. So
2: yeah, yeah uh, well, it it, it it doesn't matter. Like states, worlds, whatever the level, like it sucks. But yeah, it's horrible. These chess guards, at least for the most part it's a standard of shittiness for everyone. Like it's, uh, it, it, it takes a little bit of the politics out of it.
0: Ah, that's cool. So um, about the power thing, man, like, okay, so Trembling Shock was the name of the game back in the day. Uh, right. You had to hit, you had body displacement. You had to hit someone, they had to move, their head had to turn. We've all cracked a guy with a back kick and he just ate it and you didn't get any points. Right. Like what's I guess in comparison to now, are people hitting harder? Are they not hitting as hard? Is that still like a mentality? I know there's occasionally still knockouts, but it doesn't seem like as much of a death match. Or is that just my me like remembering the old days?
2: Um, no, I, I I think you're right because like I said, with the natural evolution of any sport, like you change the rules, really high-level athletes are going to find like the path of least resistance to scoring, mm-hmm. and so it's like. Um, true you don't see like those back leg power shots anymore or at least hardly anymore and it's like because you know why am I going to do something that's going to you know take a hundred percent effort and may or may not score versus I do a much simpler technique that doesn't even hit half as hard and has a higher likelihood of scoring and so it's like an athlete's always going to find the path of least resistance so you're a hundred percent right that there's not near as many of those crazy power shots and knockouts and stuff like that, but with all the silly foot fencing, as they call it, to the face, I'll bet you um, they wouldn't want to do like concussion protocol testing because I'll bet you concussions are a lot higher just because the quantity of face kicks has gone up. the The power might have decreased, but per capita, especially in like the female divisions, mm-hmm. I mean, even the most elite women go through a match and get hit two or three times in the face. And it's like, you know, from what we know about soccer, like hitting the ball with your head, those little micro concussions are almost worse than getting knocked out. So it's mm-hmm. um it's it, it's a different kind of poison.
0: Okay. So with concussion protocol, like I mean Trish, um okay, Trish Beargrounds for people mm-hmm. listening, who just, you know, eight athletic trainer, Doctor Extraordinaire, um, she was doing concussion protocols in the 90s. Mm-hmm does she still have stuff for the team? Like for nationally in the U S are you guys still following that kind of thing or?
2: I know she has a pretty extensive database on, uh, concussion, like the history of athletes concussions. Like she probably has great medical records on me. Like she probably, she can probably go into her database and look at every bone I've ever broken. But, um, the two problems are one, uh, you know, internationally, like that does nothing, you know, you can have the best U S records in the world whenever it comes to concussions, but it's like, all I have to do is cross the border and they have no access to that.
0: Okay.
2: And then on top of it, like those concussion protocols, um, are kind of, uh, are a little bit ever changing in that, now, mm-hmm. Like, for example, for a long time, it was if you got a concussion, you were out for a minimum of 30 days. Yeah. Well, now it's uh, the more, uh, I guess, progressive concussion protocols basically go okay, you know, uh, 30 days is the guideline, but if you're not displaying any symptoms, you can come back earlier. And so it's
0: okay. like. So uh, now. Yeah. Go I would say so now they have symptoms to track. Right. Whereas back in the day, we're like, I just saw you got clucked and you were unconscious. You're out for thirty days, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, at the best, we had like a couple of tests where, like, fall on my finger. If your eyes jump, you have a concussion. Or stand, you know, close your eyes and touch your nose. Oh, you're about three years in, son. Right. You know, uh, now they have like a now there's more of a, a thing track symptoms kind of thing. Okay.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hmm. Okay, so with that then, um. Where is that going to go? So, okay, the heavyweight division. Uh, my coach was a heavyweight back in the day, and he always used to say, like, every kick hurts. Like, yeah. I don't care. Does it still that way? Is it still like, shit, that guy's big?
2: Ouch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's different because now it's like, especially with having to throw, like, for example, you're fighting somebody that throws a lot of front leg cut kick having Mm -hmm. to quote unquote cancel that and use your front leg to essentially clash with them. yeah, Um, It's, you know, it's male heavyweight in particular is one of the few divisions that, I mean, I think percentage wise, you definitely see more of those power shots still being taken. And it's Mm -hmm. just because, you know, most of us are older and because there's no weight cap stronger. And so we're inclined to try and brute force it. And it's like, you know, there's a reason why uh, a male fin weight, you know, somebody under 130 pounds can fight six matches in a day and not have a bruise right mm-hmm. now. And it's like I fight. You know, it does. It, it's funny because I can fight one match or I can fight ten matches in a day. And at, at afterwards, like I'm still icing down my knees. I'm icing down my elbows. And it's like it's it's brutal, but it's just the location has moved. It used to be like, oh, I have a massive bruise on my chest from getting punched in the heart. <laughs> that doesn't really, that doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, uh, It's just, huh. it, it's different. Again, uh, same sport, just different poison.
0: I got you. So clashing, you can get away with it now?
2: Um, well, it's, so it's, you have to be quote unquote throwing an intentional kick with it, but it's like, um, okay. it's not hard to make it look like you're trying to kick and you're just sticking your leg up to keep them from scoring.
0: Oh, okay. Right on. Cause I kind of, when I in my heyday in like the when I was at my best probably in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. surfing was still legal, so like yeah. you could you could shin check people. Yeah, I fucking love to do that. I have really hard shins even through it even through a shin guard. So well, if, I, if I'm gonna clash with you, like I'm winning. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, for sure. But it's like uh, what's funny is like there was a way you could do that like once you got <clears throat> proficient at and, and proficient at it enough, which I'm sure you know. Once you got mm-hmm. proficient at it enough, it was like you could do it where it didn't hurt your shin at all, and it didn't even hurt the other person. It's like the worst. The worst was when you would fight that like blue belt that you know <laughs> had seen a YouTube video and would try it, and it's like you immediately just bust his knee. It's yeah. like the super elite level guys at like world championships at the time were doing it, and nobody was getting dinged up from it. And so it's like mm. uh, you know, it it was one of those. Uh, now like i said what they'll do is they'll literally stick their leg up uh, and somehow this counts as having the intention to kick stick their leg up until you put yours down and then they'll try and kick and it's like i mean it's a pretty loose interpretation of the rules for sure
0: i got you i i still um i don't know how to look at the game anymore so i don't know i don't know what anyone's doing with the whole leg up in the air stuff and it seems really strange so like i i can't i can't i can't latch onto the strategy of it
2: Um, the, the The easiest way I describe it to people that seems to make sense the most often is if you look at Taekwondo now like a boxing fight, it's like the front leg, it's just your jab. Like everything is just there to set up the follow. And it's like, if you want to be decent at modern Taekwondo, you have to be able to throw like... 30 cut kicks per round, not with zero intent of scoring. Cause it's like, it's either to set up a follow with the same leg or to kick out of the clinch. It's like, that's 99% of matches at the elite level now.
0: Ooh, okay. Uh, so, um, uh, so with, the, with like, okay, so you have like various cut kicks these days, right. clearly stuff you work on, you have strategies for different ways of doing things. Like, where was the like describe like when you you, you had your come to Jesus moment and you had to drop your ego and be like I, I need to find this if I want to keep I want to stay at the top of this version of the game like right. when when did like at what age were you when you you really crossed over like what in between what national teams or
2: yeah um, well it was it was definitely post Legest or the Dano era because um, like for example, data has been around long enough now that people are, you know, finding the sneaky ways to score on it. It's like it's the mm-hmm. difference between uh, like those old timey race cars and the first person to drive like a Formula One race car. was like oh shit, like this is a different ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wasn't around long enough for that to happen. Uh, I would say, unfortunately, it probably I didn't adapt near as quick as I probably should have or could have. I just didn't realize it. I'd say. Honestly, probably 2014 or 2015 is when I really started to make that transition because the Grand Prix circuit had started. So it was the first time we had, like, a series of world-class events as opposed to, oh, you've got world championships this year and then nothing until next year. And so it's like... Uh, there was, and I think it's part of why the evolution happened so fast, was because now it wasn't, you had to wait two years to find out if you were doing the right thing. Now it was, oh, I'm fighting in London this month, and then next month I'm fighting in Tokyo. And it's like you had immediate feedback. And so mm-hmm. that probably kicked the sport into hyperdrive, as opposed to fig- uh, for figuring out the current state of things. Um, where it started to really hit for me was... Um, in particular one of the it was like the second or third Grand Prix a guy that I used to just beat the crap out of won the whole Grand Prix
0: and it, it just I, I,
2: I remember sitting there watching and being like how the hell did this guy win like he's not good and but it, it occurred to me that it was like oh he's playing a very very simple game though because it was mm-hmm. like you watched his fights all day he had five fights and he beat really good players but it was like he threw no back leg, it was all off the front leg. And it was like, it was so counterintuitive to traditional Taekwondo that um, I had that moment of just like, man, I'm being really stupid about this because yeah, like double kicks and spin hook kicks, they look cool, absolutely. But it's like, uh, it's what I always tell people whenever like I'm working with them in strength and conditioning and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's cool to have a million YouTube hits. Absolutely, it's awesome. You're gonna make money off of it, great it's like, you know what's cooler? Being poor and having an Olympic gold medal. And it's like, (laughs) as much as that sucks, it's like, um, you know, it's no different than the guys that you watch doing these crazy football drills, like getting ready for the combine, and then you never hear from them again. It's like, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, do they catch the ball? Like, we we, we we need to pay somebody to catch the ball. And so it was after watching this guy, I basically had that moment of like, Dude, I'm trying way too hard in the wrong areas to not be successful. And that's whenever um, – I, I, I'd say I – in in making the transition, I was too um, conservative, I guess. I should have been much more like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to work back leg for six months kind of a thing. I was way too conservative about it, but, uh, you know, it's – I'm looking forward to competitions. I'm looking forward to a competition in Bulgaria coming up in a couple of weeks. Cause I've literally done nothing for a year and a half, but front leg. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah. okay, if I'm not a master at it by now, I might as well quit because I'm never going to get a year and a half stretch to train ever again in my career.
0: Yeah. We can just focus on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, so you're going to Bulgaria. Cool. Okay. I am. All right. So, um, that brings up a funny question of, um, Something Aaron Cook said a while ago in an interview. Because <clears throat> he's kind of like you. He got good young. He transitioned through everything. Right. But um he brought up a cool point of that taekwondo used to be a pretty a really cheap sport to be a part of. Right. You get a uniform, you get some gear, you go to some locals, you hit at nationals, you know. <clears throat> oh, gonna go to the US Open and Toronto Open, you know, you could do um it and then you could like, you know, medal, go to team trials, and that's how you make team. Right. Now with with the point circuit, it's cool. I like that they have a judo format, of uh, judo kind of does that grand prix thing. They've been doing yeah. that for a while. It seems more fair cuz you can like if you win, you can qualify yourself for the Olympics. If you win more, you can get more points like right. from my understanding of it. So in that respect, but it, like has it turned into a rich person's game?
2: Um, you know, so what a lot of people don't know, when evaluating sports for the Olympics, one of the IOC's like main criteria is what they call universality. And by mm-hmm. universality, they mean, hey, can anyone from any country in the world pick up this sport and be, you know, a potentially an Olympic gold medalist? And so, uh, you know, there are sports, um, what's a good example, like, like running, yeah, like marathon or track, something like that. Like, you, uh, you don't even, you know, there are a lot of those Kenyan runners that have crappy shoes and they still pull it off. And so it's like, you can make the argument that a sport like track has great universality because true, great shoes will make a difference, but you could theoretically do it regardless. Um, They like Taekwondo because um, you'll have things like, um, like for example, you'll have somebody from Uzbekistan win. And so like on on paper, it looks great because you have non-traditional countries uh countries that are non-traditional medalists for other sports like say track where like usa china australia like the bigger countries kind of dominate that just because the internal level of competition is so high Mm -hmm. um so the ioc likes taekwondo because of that but the big the big complaint the ioc has with taekwondo right now is the fact that like you said cost of entry has now quadrupled at minimum just just for Mm -hmm um even basic level tournaments because now oh you need a new pair of socks every tournament because they go to crap, and it's like it doesn't seem like much at first on paper but it's like you fight 12 tournaments and you have to buy a new pair of socks every time at 60 dollars a pop and it's like that that's the conservative side of it i don't like uh, at bigger events i don't mm-hmm. like to fight in the same pair of socks two matches in a row and so it's like
0: they break down that a,
2: fast yeah, well, well they, they say that they don't break down that fast, but it's like, what are the things that we know degrade magnets? Heat, or uh, extreme temperatures, Bush. so heat and cold, and friction and impact. And it's like, it's literally what you're doing to them. And so, yeah, um, yeah they degrade super fast, and it's like, then you look at it and you go, um, the standards of testing for the socks suck, and so you're not gonna have somebody from Kenya that can barely afford one pair of socks Fight somebody from china whose socks are you know potentially um altered anyway to give them a competitive advantage and so it's like uh, the universality of taekwondo has dropped dramatically and it's like it's going to be a big issue come uh like 2028 when they have to reevaluate whether or not taekwondo stays in the olympics and that's why you're seeing all these crazy rules and new gimmicky styles pop up because they're trying to figure out a way to overcome that gap and make it so entertaining that the ioc looks the other way on essentially how crappy the universality of it is
0: ah okay so um i don't know what's 2020 armor i wonder where they play into the game I um it sucks for that they,
2: yeah they've got they've got a great idea the problem with it is uh fundamentally like um because it would be cool to watch, absolutely. Like, if you could see their little health bars and everything like that. I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy watching a tournament like that. The big problem, though, is I think, um, politically speaking, you know, Dado, uh, Dado and KPNP play the game with Korea and World Taekwondo. And it's like, oh, they're God. not willing to essentially bend the knee to World Taekwondo. Like, I don't ever see them becoming viable just because... Taekwondo wants their kickback, and if they're not willing to make that happen, they're not going to be viable.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, um, I understand that. <laughs> but uh, all right. So, hmm. Mike, you have any questions when you spend listening? Not Listen. yet. I'm
1: enjoying being a fly on the wall for this one.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, if I'm like, he's a he's a great you're, uh, Mike. You're a great uh, a great person for this because it's like. If I start talking about something that's too, uh, I guess, genre specific, that you're like, "Hey, what the hell does that mean?" It means listeners are gonna have the same question. So right, right. Mike's doing. Feel free.
1: Right, (laughs) Mike's doing well of kind of clearing it up for the layman as well. So it's a good bridge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so um, let me take this in a slightly different direction. Um, Okay, so you come from the old school where, like, you could hit people and hurt people, and it was a thing, right? Like, at least in my mind. I um one of my problems I think as a young martial artist is I just like fighting, yeah. so I did everything. Like Taekwondo is always my main love, but I had side I had side chicks, man. I had other things. I would sneak yeah. into other schools and do other fights, right? And um and so MMA was always a really big thing in my head and transferability sure. of skill set, of I could take just my pure Taekwondo like 1999 Taekwondo footwork and kicking. I could fight anybody and win. I could right. I fought wrestlers, kung fu guys, boxers, judo guys, Like I could use my footwork and crack them. And that was that was always my big sticking point of why I think I never crossed over, other than injury and my legs fell off. Um, right. Of like the badass was gone. Right. I don't. I couldn't use it anymore. Like I always yeah. loved the fact that my taekwondo was a cool sport. And could be used as other things, and used nice. in like fighting. Did um, did did you ever have that thought? And did it like did it ever cross your mind like the difference?
2: Yeah, for sure. So it's because I've, I've the 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 it usually stems from getting asked the question of if I've ever thought about doing MMA. And it's like the funny part is um, I, I I think I'm a little bit of a dying breed in the sport that. Um, you take most people, even as a teenager, um, whenever I first started fighting heavyweight, like, uh, yeah, you know, if I if somebody gets in too close for me to kick them, like in a street fight or something like that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably doomed. But it's like, um, I still, even to this day, have that, like, a uh, little bit of an advantage of, okay, true, like, you might be a jiu-jitsu master, and if you get me, if you grab me, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to win that fight just because... Uh, you know, I have zero training in that, but it's like, what most people don't understand is like, to get to that point, you're going to have to get through one power shot from me. And it's like, I've cracked people's, you know, I've broken people's arms through bags and through pads. And it's like, uh, you know, a general street fight, like if I get that one kickoff, it's enough that I can like, if I don't rack your arm... (laughs) You know, at, but it, you know, God, it, God forbid it ever happened. But like, one of two things is going to happen if I get that kickoff. I'm either going to wreck your arm or I'm going to break your ribs. And it's like that. Uh, I'm. I, I tell people frequently that the reason I'm good at Taekwondo is that I'm a lover, not a fighter. In that, <laughs> I've always, I, I, I've always scammed the system to f- figure out, okay, how can I win this match without fighting? And it's like. You know i get that one kickoff i'm jesse owens in danger right like you're not gonna catch me afterwards because i'm gone (laughs) so um yeah it's one of those i don't think there's a lot of those people left in taekwondo because for example you can take a world champion at 130 pounds in one of the women's divisions and like it's not even not even women specific i take that back because you could take a male fin weight too and it's like yeah, they kick a lot, but they don't necessarily kick hard. And so while they might have that element of surprise of like, oh, yeah, they kick him in the face and then they can get away. Like, yeah, true. But it's like, you know, um, if they're standing between you and the door, I'm not necessarily going to put my money on the 130-pound dude that only does front leg to the face. So like, practicality-wise, no, I don't think it exists in Taekwondo anymore. Um, transferability to other, other martial arts? Honestly, probably not, but I tell people it's like I do Taekwondo for the sport side of it in the same way that you wouldn't ask, "Oh, hey, you 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 got a gold medal in hurdles at the Olympics?" Oh, you know, uh, what would you do in a fight? And it's like <laughs> man, it's it, it's it's unfortunate, but now I look at it as two different things of like, "Oh, I wouldn't use it in a fight. In a fight, I'm going to hit you in the throat and run." And I'm like, I'm not going to do Taekwondo. And so it's it's a it's a sad day cuz it's like yeah, I agree with you. It very much used to be one of those like, oh, if I got into a street fight, I'm gonna double kick this person in the face. Like, nah, man. Uh, especially as I get older, and I've seen how easy it is for people to have like lifelong debilitating injuries from just falling down. Yeah. Like <laughs> now, like I'll do anything to avoid a fight. Like I, I have no intent of ever getting into a fist fight with somebody. So it's uh, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely. I'm sure you could have people that would make the opposite argument, but. Uh, I also intend to not have uh, degenerative brain damage
0: when I'm 90. Right on. Uh, I'm hoping I don't have it, but you never know. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I'm, I'm sure I'm doomed.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. By by the time by the time we're both in that age group, I'm sure there'll be something that can fix it. But um,
2: <laughs> be living but, in Elon Musk's Mars colony by then, that will be
0: fine. <laughs> hey, that might be dope, dude. You know, who knows what the gravity's like over there? We jump real high. Right. Um, so um then from a all right so like from an emotional standpoint mm. i grew up in the 90s it was the style versus style era right of like so everyone was buttonheads. heads like like jiu jitsu likes to like you know they 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 documented it and turned it into mma so like they kind of they kind of own that right. but that was everybody and so i have a leftover in my ego from that era of that i kind of i spent a lot of years proving myself and my art and then it all went to shit and so i'm like god damn seriously (laughs) now like all the work all the work we put in is gone that how do you how do you um like if someone asked you about taekwondo like i don't know how do you describe it how do you make it cool like
2: yeah i mean i and how Well, because usually the question I get is like, oh, how does a Taekwondo fight work? Like, how do you you win? And I just tell people, um, it's not entirely accurate, but what tends to make the picture the best is I say, oh, I want you to picture boxing. Like, it's it's done exactly like boxing, but if it were the Karate Kid movie. I tell people like, hey, it's a set amount of time, and you try to score as many points as as you can, and it's predominantly kicking. And usually when I say that, people go like, okay, it's boxing, but it's kicking. Like, yeah, that's... Like I said, it's not. um, There's obviously some, uh, I guess, uh, more intuitive stuff that goes into it than that. But it's Mm -hmm. it it tends to be the simplest way to get the uh, random um, flight attendant on a plane asking me a question about it to be satisfied.
0: Ah, okay. I guess that's the same way I've always described it too. It's just boxing with your feet. Yeah. And, And now it's just more or less poor. It's a pure sport, now yeah and, for sure yeah wow so you only got any questions mike
1: not yet i'm enjoying it. <laughs>
0: it's great.
1: It's Enjoyable. i'm so, i'm from a totally non-traditional uh Jiu-Jitsu background muay thai background mma stuff so this is totally new for me and enjoyable so <laughs> uh, but,
0: uh yeah in, in other words
2: he's over there doing his taxes
0: yeah <laughs> yeah for sure you know the cast is getting big we gotta do the taxes now we just right. gotta do something yeah. <laughs> so have you ever um have you ever trained in anything else or do you have plans to train in anything else when like when you're done with you know, when you're done with your olympic runs and stuff
2: yeah uh, i mean uh, it, up until this point like i played other sports i've never done a different martial art uh the thing that's always kind of stuck in my head is what i would probably do very recreationally and i specify that because obviously as someone who has been competing at an international circuit since uh oh god since 2002 i have i've uh obviously had a problem with an addictive personality <laughs> yeah. So uh, i i say from a a much more uh enjoyable uh perspective uh i, I honestly just for self-defense purposes i would probably recreationally take up jujitsu just because it's something so outside of the realm of what i'm used to in that yeah if i took up karate like there's more punching but i could probably adapt to it pretty quick just because um you know fundamentally half of the game is kicking and i'm i'm pretty good at that so like i could adapt to karate um something like judo or jujitsu i have zero understanding of and so it's like the thing that i thought about because i've gotten the question before of like oh if you had kids what would you stick them in and i'm like Probably jujitsu because it's like most most fights end up with some idiot tackling the other and then, then them having some kind of brawl on the ground. So like, practicality-wise, um, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily get into it with the idea of like, I'm gonna become a black belt in this because I understand how hard it is, but more from the idea of like, yeah, three nights a week I go to jujitsu class just because it's a good workout and it gives me a decent idea of like, I'm not screwed if somebody tackles me, so to speak.
0: Well, I can tell you from personal um, personal experience that Mike was my first jujitsu teacher, yeah. And um, well, a I was already pretty good at judo, so I'm comfortable with grappling, right? Um, so that made it a little easier. So that's going to be your first hurdle. As soon as someone touches you, you're going to be like, "Get off me! God, you're sweating on me!" Right? But um, a it's cool to be a clueless white belt again. Right. You miss it, and you don't even know it. Oh, I'm sure. Like it's so awesome to be nobody in the room to walk into a room and no one gives a shit about who you are or Even remembers your name for a while Absolutely freeing love every second of it Um, Two it's the exact opposite of Taekwondo. So Taekwondo is all eccentric movement. It's all power It's all like just explosion, right? Right. Jiu-jitsu is like isometric concentric motions so it'll fix all your injuries.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Every overuse well, injury yeah. you have, you'll reverse. It, it's the uh, weirdest thing. Uh, it,
2: it, uh, I'm still doing Taekwondo, so don't sell me on this too hard.
0: <laughs> well, just for the <laughs> so future, for the, the future. Well, I mean, you know, after the gold medal, just, you know, the cool thing is you can walk in and not tell anybody. Right. No one will know who you are. You just get to go be a guy right
2: you know <laughs> uh, you, you do realize i'm trying for a taekwondo gold medal and not a swimming gold medal i can walk into those taekwondo gyms and people have no idea
0: who i am <laughs> <laughs> well okay so i'm biased in the environment i think you're right. cool so yeah <laughs> but um i've really enjoyed it from that that perspective of and also you'll have uh, feet arms you'll have a leg dexterity control that'll scare the shit out of everybody <laughs> You'll be able to do stuff in guard that like people, how did you do that with your leg? And why are your feet like hands? Very true.
1: (laughs) I knew Mike knew stuff prior. So I was like, "Uh, he knows stuff. I don't know what, but he knows stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) You have a good background.
0: (laughs) Uh, It will, uh, it'll work. Oh, still there? We lose you? Nope. oh yeah cool okay i'm gonna hear you we're good
2: okay sorry
0: you, you dropped out there for a second yeah we lost you for just a sec okay cool yeah paranoia all right we're still good all right so um let me think so dude you got in 2015 you started like oh i should have i should have a better front leg game right. 2016 you beat freaking Marky lopez to make an olympic team right that's insane
2: um, well, the, the the good benefit about that, too, is like, so we, it, it's one of the few team trials I've fought in a very, very long time that the, my main competition had more experience than me, right? Mm-hmm. It's like most people, uh, they, there are always flashes in the pan in that every single team trials, there's a guy that's going to be in my division that I have to hear from smart people every year. They'll go, oh, I, this guy's the next up and cover. He's going to take your place. Like, every year without fail, I hear that. And every year without fail, like, it might be a close match, and they do the whole, like, all right, I'll see you next year, and I kind of go, yeah, maybe, because it's like, um, what people don't understand is, like, you know, combat sports are hard. (laughs) In particular, like, you can be the best person in the division and still lose your first fight. And it's like, that just happens sometimes, and so it's like, these flashes in the pan will pop out, and, uh, you know, Oh my gosh, they're a threat to the legacy, and I'll never see them again. Uh, the Mark Lopez thing, again, it was I was literally fighting somebody who arguably had not just more experience than me, but a lot more experience. He was already an Olympic medalist, two-time world medalist at that point, like well beyond me. And so the one thing that I think did him a massive disservice, so a uh, little, little behind the, the little uh, VH1 behind the music that most people don't know. Um, What he was trying to do, because he moved up in weight to fight me, there was a precedent set in the sport of boxing a few Olympics ago that um, they picked um, a weight division. Um, A bunch of people were unhappy about it to try and go qualify for the Olympics. A bunch of people were really unhappy about it. Somebody moved up in weight, won the team trials, and then petitioned the USOC to take the other weight division and won that petition. So what most people don't know is Mark Lopez actually didn't put on a lot of weight. He put on just enough weight to get into heavyweight because what he was going to try and do was beat me at team trials and then, citing that precedent, uh, petition the USOC to get it switched to his weight division. And so what really did him a disservice here was he weighed in at like... The cutoff was 80 80 kilos. He weighed in at like 80.01 kilos. Now, um, that's... uh, I'm failing to do the math in my head, but uh, it's just barely over 180 pounds. Yeah, it's uh, basically at, like,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, like 186, maybe?
2: Yeah, I weighed in at uh, 100.3 kilos. Oh, shit. You're 225,
0: 230, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and and uh, normally I would actually say, like, oh, man, he probably has an advantage because he's going to be lighter and faster. And it's like... Um, the one thing that I think he failed to take into account was uh, not just my weight but the fact that I'm a notoriously fast heavyweight Yeah. that kind of nullified his advantage a little bit and then on top of it um, because he was very much at the end of his career um, I, I think what ends up killing most athletes in the long run is they hit that point where they're not willing to adapt to the new game and it's mm-hmm. like you watch that match online because it's still on YouTube, you can find it yeah, watch this. that match, and it's like he tried to fight me super traditional. And on top of it, he tried to play the game of like, all right, I'm gonna be really fast, and I'm not gonna engage and try to Floyd Mayweather it. And it's like I had already started to adapt, so I knew like, yeah, you can be super fast and throw all the back legs you want; they're probably not gonna score. And then on top of it. Because he had such a, uh, there was such a weight disparity, I knew he probably wasn't going to be able to score on the system. Because you have to be able to hit over a certain threshold, and it was like, as long as I get my arm in the way, he's not going to be able to score. And so it was one of those, like, on paper, it was a really bad matchup for me. But, like, if you understand the nuances of the sport and the weight divisions and stuff like that, I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
2: don't get me wrong, crazy nervous because it was an Olympic trials, but of all the team trials I fought, like statistically speaking, I think it was a good chance that I was gonna win it. And so even afterwards when I won and people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you did it. I was like, yeah, um, I had, you know, 40 pounds on him. I was about as fast and I was fighting the new style and he wasn't like, I should have won. And so it was one of those like, don't get me wrong, I'm still grateful because it was a big win, big feather in the cap. But at the same time, it was like, Understanding the nuance. Yeah, I absolutely should have won, and I would have been pissed
0: if I lost. All right. on So, I'll put it in perspective. Mark Lopez is a featherweight. He walked, He fought at basically 145, 150?
2: Yeah.
0: How the hell did he... Well, hey, how the hell did he put on that much weight? Like, I've recently gotten up to 160, thanks to Jason Hahn, and right. it's impossible. Like, I can't believe I weigh this much. It's all muscle. Thank you, Jay. But, so, like, hey, how do you have the ankles for it? Good God. But... B like I, I did not know that um I I wondered what he weighed like like B but I didn't know he was going to try to petition to what get Olympic feather if he right. won or something yeah that's ridiculous because yeah well, I mean yeah.
2: well I was but, just going to say that, that because the problem was based on how the selection procedures were written like Stephen couldn't move up from welter to fight me because wow. he qualified they, he, he's the reason they take that division. So yeah. he couldn't legally move up. And so that's why Mark had to be the one to do it. Ah, uh, okay. But what's crazier about it is like at weigh-in, he tried to weigh in with his socks on. And he <laughs> was so close on weight that they made him take his socks off. They were like, hey, like, that's against regulation. You have to take your socks off. And they like fought it because they didn't think he was going to make weight. And so it was one of those, like, I was literally standing there and looking at the scale to make sure he made weight. Because obviously I was going to fight the fight if I had to, but if I could get out on, oh, hey, he's 79.99 kilos. Sorry, you missed weight. Like, I'm going to the Olympics. Um, obviously, I would take it, but uh, yeah, so Steve couldn't fight me, and he was close enough in his weight because, again, uh, he didn't want to bulk up too much because if he won, he was going to have to cut back down on the feather, but um, like, he already cut 10 or 15 pounds to make feather typically for tournaments, so he kind of mm-hmm. sat in the middle, much closer to welter, so it wasn't that crazy of a weight gain for him. But again, okay. that's another factor. Like he's not used to fighting that heavy, he's gonna be slower. So
0: yeah, I didn't realize how much weight he had put on. I right. I know I know Mark from the early 2000s where he was a featherweight. Right. Uh, where he didn't really cut any weight and he kept beating one of my teammates, and we were like, Son of a-. <laughs> I never got to fight him. Um, because I was a bantamweight, I should have been a flyweight because I walked yeah. around at 136 back then. But um, so like him and Tim Thackeray are probably two people I should have thought should have fought, should've fought right. and never did. But um, uh, so I didn't realize he had gotten like that much larger.
2: Yeah, and, and he was thick. Like when he weighed in, like looking at him, I could tell he had bulked up for it. I mean, he had to, have, but it was, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't think it was a healthy bulk because oh. um, even though he definitely looked more muscly, there's you can train to put on weight and still keep your power and explosiveness, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to have some pretty you, you have to have somebody that really knows what they're doing doing your program, and they yeah. do everything in house. It's like, I mean, for God's sakes, they, he was still like running long distance in his program before he fought me. It was like, oh, no way. Like, you want to keep your aerobic base for sure, but at the end of the day, he's trying to put on weight and uh, knowing, knowing who, that he was fighting me, like, the idea should have been, hey, I don't have to worry about bouncing around a lot because he's not going to, like, uh, it, it's the classic Muhammad Ali versus, like, Sonny Lisbon or something like that. Like, I just have to let him, or uh, George Foreman, I just have yeah. to let him tire himself out. It's like their approach was just not smart considering the level of experience that he and his coach had.
0: Mm. So, yeah, they just, so, like, clearly they just didn't adapt that's cool. All right. So, um, Oh, I had a question. I lost it. Damn. Okay. So, um, moving on to, for training purposes then. So, um, you've also covered a big gamut in that as well. Having started as young as you did and then started competing as as young as you did, you had like the old nineties, early two thousands training regime for our strength conditioning and running and crap. And then evolve up to what it is now. What's what's that been like?
2: Um, I, I, I would probably be. I, I just like anybody. You know, I, the, the quote I always like to. Uh, the quote it always reminds me of is, uh, "Did you ever see the movie uh, The Hulk with Edward Norton?" Like the yeah, one before yeah. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, one of the things uh, Eli, not Eli Roth, but how uh, uh, the British guy that plays the bad guy. Anyway, doesn't matter. One of the things that I, I, I always love about that movie is he talks about before he gets injected with, you know, the gamma radiation or whatever, he goes like, man, if I could take what I do now and put it in a younger me, like, I, that's that's somebody I want to fight. That's scary. And it's like, I look back on all the stupid crap I used to do in training, and it's like, man, um, I could have avoided knee injuries. Like, I, uh, there's just so many things about the way I used to train that drive me nuts that it's like, uh, you know, I used to spend hours in the gym, and now it's like, I tell people, one of the things I always talk about in seminars that blows people's minds, because they think, oh, he's an Olympian, he has to train 25 hours a day. Huh. Um, what I always tell people is like, no, I kick three times a week. And it's like, I, right now, I kick three times a week for an hour apiece, and it's like... I follow the 80-20 rule of, like, 80% of the time I stay under 77% of my heart rate, so it's all technical work. Mm -hmm. The last 20%, I go, you know, all out hard. Um, And it's like, my conditioning, my muscle tone, all of this is better than I was at 18, and I'm in my 30s. And so it's, like, just, it's so frustrating, especially now when, uh, so, like, i I guess this will be an exclusive for you guys because I haven't <laughs> I haven't put it on my social media or anything like that. But I got hired by USA Taekwondo as the national team strength coach.
0: Yes, but I was one rooting one for you or Tim.
2: About is changing <laughs> people's minds, changing the coaches' minds in that. Um, uh, uh, fortunately the two British guys that are in uh, the coaches for USA Taekwondo right now are very open minded like they're they, they flat said to me a couple of times like hey we don't know how this works can you tell us and yeah man like the fact that you're open and willing to learn about it like that's, that, that's what that position needs for sure and so yeah. man, they're making a lot of changes for their team already just based on like not even new strength and conditioning <laughs> advice just like solid old school strength and conditioning advice and it's like god like i would have paid so much money to have had it 20 years ago and it's like i i, I was fortunate in that i got access to tim really early Who's, you know tim is still my strength coach and it's like yeah uh you know it's i i think it's why my career has lasted as long as it has because i got it at that point but it's like Man, I wish I could go back to when I was six and go, "Hey, man, you don't need to run three miles every day. Like you just don't need to." And so, um, it's it's more frustrating than anything, honestly. And uh, working with athletes now, it's it's also ninety nine percent of my job is working to change their minds and go, "Hey, pal, like you don't need to run every day. Like you you can get this same work done on the bike just as easily and save your joints." It's like yeah. it's just frustrating as hell. Yeah,
0: I'll, I've. I was, um, I'm from Tim's era, so we yeah. probably have a, a similar evolution of strength conditioning. If I, got, I got lucky that in, um, in 98, when I started college, the university strength conditioning coach, um, his kids were my students. And when, he, when they started, he would sit and watch the sparring class after they left. And we were all like, why is that dude watching the sparring class? And then one day he just came up to us and was like, show up at the tower on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 a.m. I can help you guys right and so for like two years he taught me like olympic lifting and, and um like college strength and conditioning from that point and that was sort of the beginning and then it took years to kind of whittle away at all the um like all the extra crap like i was still running too much I wasn't you know i was still training too much and like over the years it's sort of built so um right that's uh it's neat that like i would like to have a conversation with tim about that because being from OTC, I know some of their some of their training methods back in the day where they could get nuts. Um,
2: <laughs> oh, one of the best stories he has, and I'll let him tell you at some point, is like a week before world championships, the coach at the OTC made him go hike, made him go hike hikes, Peak. Oh, this, yeah, which is just I know this of like right before a world championships, you're gonna have him do like a ten mile upward incline hike. It seems like a good, good idea. idea.
0: I remember that actually, yeah. Oh, your sound's getting funky, man.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to uh, take a, uh, our very young puppy outside to feed. I'm already headed back. In. Oh, right on. Okay, I'm that's what we're hearing.
0: No worries, no worries. Uh, you got a practice child. Yeah, that's uh,
2: basically. <laughs> difference, difference is uh, this child uh, has no, has no uh, time frame that he likes to eat. So it's random. If you want to go out at random times, developing a pattern with this dog has been not the easiest thing in the universe. Uh, I got bad
0: news for you, buddy. That's all children. Good yeah. luck. Um, yeah, so that's why I'm <laughs> gonna adopt I'm gonna
2: adopt a 34-year-old.
0: So <laughs> Oh man. Adopt a millennial, let him get to the basement. Yeah. Alright, so Mike, anything?
1: Yeah, so now, like over periods of time, right, your adaptability is pretty remarkable. Like, what's, what was your, what's your, do you have any keys to that, or do you have, like, do you just take it in stride and adapt as it comes, or like, do you have a recipe for that?
2: Um, I mean, it's the, it's the Mike Tyson thing. Everyone, everyone's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. Sure. And it's sure. like, um, the one good thing, as you know, I'm sure it's the same in jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, it's it's immediate feedback. Like, right. you find out really fast if you're doing something wrong, just because, right. especially at any kind of elite or competitive level, like, people will make you pay when you make a mistake. And so right. I kind of take the, I have a real, real strict uh, methodology for reviewing fights, and it's like, I break. I, I, I'll watch a fight, particularly one that I lost, like a dozen times, where I'll go through and it's like, You know, I count how many kicks I did, I count how many kicks, you know, were offensive, how many were defensive, where I gave up points, where I scored the most points. I categorize them in things like, oh, I gave up points on defense when I was doing this more. And so, like, I break it down into about a billion different classifications. So that way I can go, you know, take a big picture approach of, like, okay, if there's 10 matches and I gave up the majority of my points moving back, Okay, the refining needs to happen. Where hey, we don't move back anymore because statistically, I don't give up points when I do that. So it's like, um, I try to take a not scientific but a very specific approach to you know adapting or changing. Like there has to be data to support it. It's like, sure. Um, the more I the more I do that, the more I find like again, hey man, um, you don't need to you don't need to be doing fifty things. You just need to be doing one thing really well. So it's like. Um, again, counterintuitive to a lot of martial arts in that, hey, man, you got to be tougher. You need to do more push-ups. And it's like, eh, not really. You just need to, you need to stop giving up points here, and you need to do this. And it's like, right. um, I, I know it's all sports from Taekwondo all the way to Formula One. And it's like, if you can identify the biggest factors that are, um, you know, preventing you from winning, it's like getting better is really easy. It's just most people are unfocused
1: right just being able to identify and fix things right that's yeah absolutely like you said immediate feedback in jiu as well you know pretty quickly when you get choked or arm bar, like you messed up somewhere yeah, <laughs> you, know, exactly. you back. end up
2: in an arm bar every three matches like you end up going like oh hey maybe there's something i'm doing that's putting me in this situation
1: yep personally like i used to get wrecked by leg locks all the time and yeah. i had to dial back and just learn leg locks and learn defense learn offense and just kind of break it down and now it's one of my favorite things to do but like yeah you really just kind of have the way is through you have to to deal with it and get better
2: yeah it's uh, well and it's the difference elite performers in anything it's like um you know do they lean into it or do they try and do the ego thing of like no 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 it's uh, I, I was just having an off day, and it's like, yeah, but if you have an off day, eleven days in a row, it might be a trend <laughs> and not an off day. Right, it's more <laughs> <not> of a habit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. So, have you found that, um, like, getting video easy now makes that process a lot easier? Because oh, so you kind of you kind of started before video was easy, and now you just use your cell phone, so you can appreciate it, like. So I just being able to have even just like. Your wife's with you and takes a cell phone video of your matches and you're like, got it, I can study that.
2: Right. And and it's what's funny is like I have so few uh videos pre like two thousand eight. And it's like two thousand eight my dad got like a, a Sony Handycam. Nice. So I've got like nine billion of those little crappy discs that you know <laughs> put in anything, but it's <laughs> like should i ever want to go back and watch texas state from 2009 i've got like 50 matches on it and it's like <laughs> nice. at, at the time it was this huge resource of like i had videos on everybody and it was like then electronic scoring came along and all those videos became useless because nobody fought like that and so it's it's funny because i found one in a drawer the other day and actually managed to figure out how to like get it to play and it was like it was like junior nationals from 2005 or something that i watched and it was just I watched oh, wow. it for about 30 seconds and I had to turn it off because I was like, I won this tournament? Like, I would murder this kid. And so, it's... Um, <laughs> the, the, the good part, like you said, though, is most tournaments now do live streaming. And so, it's like, you can find most fights on YouTube, thankfully. So, you don't even have to... You don't even have to actually record when you're there.
0: Oh, man. Okay, oh, I got... um. You had kind of casually mentioned this once, but um, I got two things. So, one is HRV. So how, what, how do you like, do you use it just kind of by like looking at it? Like, Oh, my variability is good today or, Oh, it's getting flat. I should probably back off. Or like, do you get really specific with it?
2: Um, so, uh, I use this app called elite HRV and what it does is, um, uh, the main thing, the main thing about heart rate variability is like just the consistency and when and how you do it, like obviously drinking coffee and then taking your measurement is kind of cheating, mm-hmm. uh, but it's like, as long as you're consistent, um, like the app that I use will give you a color and a score, and it'll be like one through ten and green, yellow, or red. And it's like if you get a low number and like if you get a, if you get a ten and a green, it means you know balls to the wall, train train as hard as you want. If you got like a five and a yellow, it means hey like uh, you know train, but maybe don't do sprints today, so to speak. And then if you got like you know even a five and a red, that means hey maybe take the day off. And so um, while I don't you know I, I I haven't talked to somebody uh, smart enough to give me the answer on this yet because um, I don't know honestly if for example like uh, my resting heart rate naturally just from years of training my resting heart rate is uh, like in the high 30s and mm-hmm. so like I don't know if that kind of thing has an influence on my overall overall heart rate variability like can I fool an app so to speak so Honestly, the main thing I use it for is is watching trends, watching for you know, watching for trends in my training. Like, okay, do I generally have a drop, you know, say on Fridays or something like that. But the most important aspect of heart rate variability that I think gets overlooked is like, okay, um, you go through your usual recovery, and Monday morning you wake up and you have a random red score. Um, more often than not, I found like. Oh, that's indicative of hey man you have a cold like you might not even know it for 24 hours but like hey uh, this is indicative that you might actually be coming down with something and so it's like um, I don't necessarily let the heart rate variability dictate a lot about my training but uh, what I do tend to take note of is like oh random red like oh man hey like uh, today I'm gonna skip training so that way you know uh, I let my body recover and then even though I missed one day of training, now Tuesday through Friday, I can go hard, as opposed to, I go hard on Monday, and now Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, my workout's suck. So it's like, um, like I said, I would love to sit down with somebody that knows a lot more about, you know, like a specialist in it, to mm-hmm. figure it out more, but it's like, um, there's it's 70-year-old science at this point, and it's not been, it's 70-year-old science that's used by NASA, and it's like if it's good enough to send a man to space, it's probably good enough for me to kick a target. Yeah. So it's it's one of those like I get all my athletes started doing it just for that specific reason, and not unlike uh, newer strength and conditioning techniques, 99% of my job is getting them to embrace it. Of like, hey, I know you woke up today and you think you feel great, but your heart is literally telling me you're not recovered. So we're gonna tap the brakes, and it's like. Especially young athletes, you get them to do the whole like, "Well, I'm just gonna go for a run and not tell them." And it's like, "No, man. Like, I know you think like I gotta be tough," and it's like, "Tough doesn't have a 30 year career in any sport. Smart has a 30 year career."
0: Hmm. Wow, right on. So, like on your off days, um, like what do you do? With, so, to so say you get you wake up, your HRV's red, and you're like, "All right, can't train today." Right. Um, what does that actually mean?
2: Yeah, um, so typically what it would mean is uh, push fluids, first of all, so make sure I'm hydrated. Uh, make sure I'm hydrated. There's there's usually, and this is assuming that, okay, I'm in the red, but, uh, you know, I go through it mentally and yesterday seemed to be fine. Like, it's not like I didn't eat or something like that, but uh, so push fluids, push protein, make sure I get plenty of protein, not overdo it on carbs because when we're in parasympathetic nervous, uh, when we're in a parasympathetic state, i.e. we're recovering, uh, is when we tend to crave like really crappy food, and so it's like mm-hmm. avoid that like the plague. Like really hammer, hammer good nutrition that day to help you recover. And then what I'll typically mm-hmm. do is either stretch or I'll go sit in the sauna.
0: Oh, right on! And you have a sauna at your house, so yeah,
2: I do. It's the Would best. You? It's the smartest investment I've ever made for sure.
0: Okay, so my my wife doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can tell you this—it's a secret. Okay, but uh, we're getting a new house yeah. this summer. And um, I specifically didn't want a bathtub in our bathroom, A, because I hate cleaning the damn thing. Right. It's the but worst. B, it leaves space for a sauna. Yeah, for sure. Which I haven't told her yet, but <laughs> I'm going to be asking you about that in probably eight or nine months. <laughs> yeah, for uh I,
2: I spent, uh, <laughs> spent 1600 bucks on mine. Like I didn't get a particularly expensive one. And it's, like I said, um, it was worth absolutely every penny. Yes.
0: All right. See, that's what I wanted to hear, man, because I'm, I'm planning for it. <laughs> cool. So does your sauna work help? Um, so like there's a lot of cool studies like Rhonda Patrick's been doing a yeah. lot of studies on sauna. And then there's a lot of cool things like um, Huber, Andrew Huberman's been talking a lot about what cold exposure does to your, um, to your time clock in your head. Mm-hmm are you balancing that out in any way with like cold exposure versus heat exposure to help enhance recovery or sleep or like your body clock or anything like that? Or
2: yeah, absolutely. So um it's, well, first of all, if I ever do a sauna session, no matter how long, like immediately after as cold as I can get the shower. So it's like, uh, I want those heat shock proteins like mm-hmm. really bad uh, just, <laughs> just because of my age. And it's like, uh, but on top of that like i'm still a regular practitioner of the wim Hof stuff and so it's like ice mm-hmm. baths uh deep breathing exercises stuff like that and this is another one of those prime examples of like man i wish i knew this stuff 20 years ago mm. but uh, and what actually got me started on the sauna is uh, i listened to a podcast with rhonda patrick where she was talking about how it was like Uh, 30 minutes in the sauna at at least 170, 20 minutes out, and then another 30 minutes saw uh, 26% in a runner's capability, uh, a runner's time of uh, running to failure. And it was like 26% in an elite athlete for an aerobic base is massive. And so it was one of those right there of, hey, man, I'm I'm happily willing to sit in the sauna and be absolutely freaking miserable if it means on competition day I can kick more.
0: Mm. Right on. So, um, I know you—you've trained with Wim Hof. Right. That was like one of your secret weapons to make the Olympics. Yeah. Um, when do you—you um, you still do cold baths and stuff? Oh, on a off on an off note—is that your hot tub in, the, in your backyard? Is that the whole stone brick thing? Uh, what is that? I saw you getting into like what looked like a hot tub that wasn't turned on and, and it was cold. And I was like, is that his yard? Oh my God, that thing is amazing. Oh. <laughs> I'm
2: trying to remember what you're talking about. That I... was
0: just a post on Instagram, but I was like, man, <laughs> if you have that, that's amazing. But, um,
2: uh, uh, believe me, I don't, I was probably at somebody's house. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, in the future. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but no, so like for like cold baths or like cold showers, like, do you time that as a certain time of day or is it just like uh? You know like I like to like get take a cold shower basically every day I just start cold for right. a couple of minutes and then take a hot shower and then finish cold like yeah. do you have any sort of protocols on that
2: uh, when I'm in a competition phase so like if I'm getting like for example this tournament in Bulgaria in like 20 days mm-hmm. um, no hot showers whatsoever like I stick strictly to cold the only heat exposure I get is the sauna um, but uh, as far as like an ice bath like the protocol I follow. What I'll do is, I'll get uh, 40 pounds of ice. Um, I can get it from the gas station by my house for about eight bucks. 40 mm-hmm. pounds of ice, fill the bathtub about halfway, pour the ice in, let it sit for 10 minutes. Because uh, this is, again, a Rhonda Patrick recommendation, but that's about how long it takes to get it to drop the temperature significantly. And then I'm um, in it for 20 minutes.
0: Okay. And then, so you don't... Not
2: terribly sophisticated, but, you know, the simple stuff works.
0: Is there a time of day on that, though?
2: Um, you know, if, if I'm going full ice bath mode, um, it's, it's earlier in the day just because I don't feel like hassling with it at night. Gotcha. But, uh, I, I, I tend to, the closer I get to competition, I tend to take my, unless I've worked out that day, obviously I tend to take my showers in the evening before going to bed. And that's when I'll take a, take, take my cold shower.
0: Okay. So the cold shower doesn't necessarily affect your, like for me, if I take a cold shower at night, I sleep better. Oh, yeah. but no, sometimes you can have like a, a,
2: yeah.
0: sometimes you can have a temperature rebound and actually get too hot so it depends yeah, on it sure. depends on the person all right cool and um so I think what else oh the other okay so random parent question another thing you said offhand yeah. once have you joked about how your mom ironed your uniform
2: yeah for sure
0: okay so that's why you made an Olympic team buddy um yeah I'm going to say 100% just in the, the the snippets of interviews I've seen with your parents. Holy shit. They're awesome.
2: They're, uh, they're definitely, uh, I, I guess the uh, 1960s way of saying it would be that they're definitely characters. Um, <laughs> very, very vivid personalities. So.
0: Well, like specifically, like two things about your mom, like one, she, she cleaned your uniform in a very specific way. Like, as a as a as a, someone who's had a, a many like geese and dough box my whole life like I wash them I wash them in a certain way and dry them in a certain way like it's just how it is and I've never had a yeah. parent or a spouse or anyone else that knows how to do that yeah. my daughter's figuring it out but she also wears a key but um so hey that's just that's just freaking cool but then something your mom said really specifically of um that that series the that was up to you going for the Olympics um yeah. like chasing uh, 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 gold uh, uh, or something corrupted. yeah yeah, that was really cool. But um, your mom said that when she cheers for you, all she ever says is your name. Right. She doesn't coach you. She doesn't say good job or bad job or do this or that. She just says, Steven, that is genius.
2: You know, it's funny because it's like um, I, I I won't mention the athlete's name, but there is one athlete for Team USA that absolutely should be a three-time Olympian. But this person, I'm not even gonna gender this person because. Um, Some people will immediately know who I'm talking about, but it's like, this person's dad is so crazy and been so detrimental to this athlete that like, this athlete should have been a 2012, 2016, and 2020 Olympian, but this person's dad was so crazy that he, I would make the argument that he has cost this athlete the Olympics, and it's like, now that that athlete is is moved out of the house and living on their own, and, and you know, with a coach of their choice, they're uh, 100% better at, at the game. And it's like, um, the one thing that I can really appreciate about my parents is they both grew up incredibly poor. Um, I, I should say uh, my dad just, my dad had a massive family, single income. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he, paid for you know, it's not like he, uh, it's not like he was living under a bridge, but it was one of those, like, Uh, going out they went out to dinner like once a month and it was like the big night like where everybody got dressed up so modest 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 start my mom came from like oh yeah um, from the time that I was six to the time that I was eight we lived in the truck kind of poor and so um, I I have a lot of respect for what my parents have been able to do since they I mean put themselves through college got awesome jobs um, you know instilled work ethic in me I, I, I owe basically everything to my parents but it's like um, one of the things that I respect most about both my mom and my dad is uh, like, for example, the story I always tell is my first tournament, you know, I was six years old and I started crying. I didn't want to go down onto the floor. I was nervous. You know, I just didn't understand what nerves were at the time because I was a little kid. My mom goes, hey, um, you don't have to do this, you know, like, we can go get in the car and leave right now. Like, this is stupid. You're wearing pajamas and breaking boards, like, we don't care, kind of a thing. And it was uh, a... Yeah, I I don't remember it, but when my parents tell the story, they go, I literally stopped crying and went, okay, I'm good, went and put on my gear, and went and fought and won. And it's like, um, my parents have always, I think a lot because of their background and how they were raised and what they came from, they had a very real understanding that, hey, like, you know, you might think it's super important, but this might as well be checkers. Like, it's a game, it's not real life, nobody really cares, 200 years from now no one will remember, kind of a thing. And so it's like, my parents have always been incredibly supportive of like, if this is what you want to do, just go balls to the wall and, you know, full effort, so to speak. But, at the same time, like, keep a real understanding that Oh hey, like there are people in third world countries that are starving to death every day, and you're getting to travel the world and play a game. Like keep it in perspective. And so it's one of those um, I've never had my parents be mad at me after a loss. They've never said anything bad. They've just kind of gone like, well, you know, even whenever I even whenever I did something that cost me the match or I just bought bad, they kind of go like, Yeah, all right, on to the next one. Like, is what it is. And so uh, I've had arguably one of the biggest weapons that an athlete can have in that it's supportive parents that are so supportive they go if you want to do it cool if not like stop and what you and your coach do is your business so to speak damn
0: that's so cool
2: it's an anomaly for sure
0: it is it's such an anomaly as um as someone who taught for a lot of years i don't know that i knew any parents like that (laughs) maybe one or two over the time but, but um
2: it's parents, I don't think parents realize that when they start to project their own like insecurities and what they wish they had when they were kids, it's like, man, you can screw up a kid really fast, especially whenever it comes to any form of elite competition where it's like 99% mental anyway. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, man, like my, I'll have parents at seminars come up to me and say things like, oh, you know, Johnny just doesn't like to train that much. And I go, okay, then maybe Johnny shouldn't train that much. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's the kid. It should be the kid's choice. And it's like, just because you want your son to be a star wide receiver doesn't mean he wouldn't rather, you know, be in the ballet. <laughs> like, let your kid do what they want to do. But I also realize that's a controversial decision because everybody knows everything about everything, and I'm an idiot. So.
1: <laughs> oh, that is, dude. That's cool. Yeah, that's a tremendous
0: perspective. Yeah.
2: Oh, I'm, like I said, born super lucky for sure.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I know, like, as a, as a parent, I think at the – I've always told my daughter, like, you don't have to compete, like, whatever. Right. But we did have a discussion of she – want, she wanted to start jiu like, on her own. Like, she's always loved grappling. She was born that way. It was really funny. I'm like, you want to – she liked kicking and punching, too, but she's armbar obsessed. But um, I always told her, I was like, um, you know, she has, has her ups and downs of wanting to do it not wanting to do it. And so I kind of made a deal with her. I said, you got to do jujitsu until you're 18. I don't care if sure. it's once a week. I don't care if you ever compete, but you got to train just because, you know, from a, just from a purely self-defense perspective, this is the best thing a woman can learn. Absolutely. And like, as a little kid, she doesn't quite know what I'm talking about, but I'm just, I'm just like, that's the deal, dude. And, you know, then from a community standpoint, I'm like, your Matt friends are the best friends you're ever going to have. Right. like the people you train with there's like they can be the best and the worst i kind of i've had both stories in my life we were having a fun conversation about that last night me and my kid yeah. but um like that's there's no bond like that ever you're never going to have that with anybody else and so for those two reasons i was like you got to just tough it out like she doesn't care about belt rank she just got a new belt and she was so happy because it fits she nice. grew out of her old one and she's like, she's like, I don't even want a new belt. I don't care. I just want a belt that fits. My, this bow tie doesn't stay on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been our big joke that she's like, I'm like, right, good. I did worry. something right. Yeah. But um, just to hear your parents talk about it, just to support. They, like from the time you're a little kid, they're like, oh, yeah, he just wants to be in the Olympics. It's cool. And your mom specifically, like, all I ever yell is his name. Like, dude, oh, I hope everyone sees that. Everyone should be required to watch that series just to know how to act as a parent to anyone in a sport. As, uh,
2: I think a lot of it comes to – because my mom – both both my parents were athletes. Like, my, my dad was a power lifter. And awesome. then my mom was really big into uh, swimming and basketball. And oh, cool. at one point, one of the, like, then essentially national team coaches – Basically went to my mom's parents whenever she was, you know, a, a young teenager, and said like, "Hey, she's got a lot of talent. Like, we'd love, you know, we'd love to get her involved with the program." Blah blah blah. And her parents, not only did they not have the money or funds to make it happen, they were complete deadbeats. But they uh, they basically poo pooed it off and said like, "No, you know, we don't care." And so she didn't really get that opportunity. And then my mom played some basketball in college, and so it's like, I think. Um, to a degree, and it can go either way, right? Because it can it can lead to that parent that's way too involved. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, it led to my mom kind of doing the, like, hey, man, I don't care if it's kite flying. Like, I'm going to be super supportive because I didn't have that when I was growing up. And there's something about the fact that when people have to, like, I hate the expression because it's kind of been co-opted by idiots, but it's mm-hmm. like the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps crap. It's like – yeah. My parents are the epitome of that American dream of like, hey, I'm living in the back of a van, you know, I I don't have shoes until middle school kind of a thing, and it's like now now I'm uh, now I'm a corporate uh, I I negotiate contracts for General Electric, like, yeah, put themselves through college, uh you know by by working their asses off and paying for it, and it's like, you know, like I said, it can it it it, it seems to produce two kinds of extremes, either the parent you don't want or the parent you absolutely want for every kid it's like I just happen to luck out
0: wow that's cool that they had to work that hard for life but also have some have some athletic experience that they can put kind of into their perspective right. that's a I think that's really neat I know as a for uh, sure as a dad like I don't coach my kid no, I just smart, say good man. job And, like I'll, as I mean in jiu Jitsu it's kind of a thing most of the parents train like, we all train. We all do it. So, like, we can have conversations about it. But, like, I'm to the point where, like, when I watch class, I don't interrupt. I'll give her a thumbs up. Yeah. And that's it. I'm not, I'm not telling her anything. I'm not doing anything. And all the parents think I'm, I'm weird. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I've been, on, I've been in every version of this, guys. I've been the teacher. I've been the student. I've been the competitor. I've been the parent. I've been, like, shut the hell up and let people teach and let them learn. Right, and it's so it's such a weird thing to get across. But as um, just lessons that I've learned and seen, and it's just I always just appreciate seeing that in others because it mm-hmm. is so rare. And then to see someone like you who's really paying it forward, um, I know I know a handful of Olympians. I've trained with some of the best athletes of my generation of taekwondo, and I've never. I mean, in the limited interactions you and I have had over the internet. We don't really know each other. Right. Yet you're still one of the nicest dudes I've ever met. It's Um, awesome.
2: Smoke and mirrors, I assure you, I'm a terrible person.
0: Well, I mean, if we meet in person, sure, kick me in the face and laugh at me. I'll be it'll be an honor. But um (laughs) (laughs) But just the amount of information you just even just like offhandedly shared with me. And then like we had those, you know and I like you, you showed me how to use True Coach and you know, you do your Saturdays with Steven and Uh, You you figured you kind of like you're the one modern guy, I guess Uh, you learned from all the old stuff and said, all right, doing this, not doing that. And you're like, oh, I also know how to type. Let's do it. Uh, It's cool to see someone really an active, an active athlete. That's able to kind of bridge that gap. I feel like you're the first.
2: Well, uh, I, I've been told I'm terrible at taking compliments, so what I'll just do is say thank you. Hey, cool. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it, honestly, 99% of my approach to working with other people is born out of, uh, not unlike my parents, uh, wanting to give people what I didn't have in that, man, I, uh, I I was blessed with some great coaches, fantastic coaches, but I also had some experiences with some of the worst scum of the earth. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, like I said, the, one of the, like I've said in a ton of interviews, one of my biggest motivating factors is uh, one of the national team coaches told me that uh, it was going to be a cold day in hell before I ever made it to the Olympics. And it's like, you know, I, as somebody that coaches people now, it's like, there are athletes that I work with that I go, yeah, this person's probably never going to make it. Like, they don't have, they don't, they don't have the it factor or they're not dedicated enough. But it's like, never in a million years would I tell somebody that. Like,
0: Weren't you like 14 when that coach said that to you? Oh,
2: so no, I was uh, I was 18 and I okay. just made my first senior national team. I just my first major senior tournament was World Cup, and I Ooh. went and lost to a guy from Italy who was a two-time Olympian, two-time world medalist, and I lost oh, three-two at the buzzer. And afterwards, he told me that not only was I shit, but it was going to be a cold day in hell before I ever made made it to the Olympics. And it's like. As a kid at the time, I didn't understand, I didn't even know who the Italian guy was. You did really well. (laughs) uh, What's funny is, like, Tim is one of the people that pulled me aside, and he was like, hey, what did he tell you? And I told him, and afterwards Tim was like, "Uh, you know, sorry for any listeners with uh, uh, anti-cursing proclivities, but (laughs) Tim literally said to me, he was like, hey, whatever that guy said, fuck that. He goes, that guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, he's a moron. I'm like... You know i i've pulled athletes aside when that same coach has pulled that same gambit on other people because what he's really trying to do is get people to move to his gym like oh you're never going to make it unless you train with me I but got you. it's like that again it's uh, born out of wanting something that i either didn't have or a very specific experience of like i try to be an open book in that i will t- i'll literally tell you exactly what i'm doing in training i'll tell anybody because it's like a, I believe that I can do it like I can train smarter and more effective than anybody so it's like it's not intimidating to share quote-unquote state secrets but on top of it it's like um, I, it's almost a duty to be a better uh, to be a better coach than I had just out just on the grounds of like hey man there's probably some kid out there that was much better than me that could have gone and won an Olympic gold medal but fell for that scam that that coach was 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 playing and it's like I think about that and it just pisses me off so bad that it's like, no, no, um, anybody can reach out to me and, hey, what should I do? Oh, I'd probably do it like this. Can't guarantee it's going to help, but it's like I'm going to give you the best advice that I can. Absolutely. Wow, that's
0: awesome. That's actually a big theme of our cast. We have conversations like that all the time. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, you know, learning from the mistakes of the past and right. trying to be better people. But, um. Ah. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, no, it's tremendous. It's it's born from a firm fuck you mentality, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Sure.
0: I feel like that has
1: to exist a little bit.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, So, um, let's see. All right. So, um, actually, I got a question for you. I might cut this out. We're not live. Okay. But um, did you ever make an AAU national team?
2: Um, So, the one time I fought AAU, uh, I made it to finals. I was overwhelmingly going to win the match. And, like, I know the guy, he's the nicest guy in the universe, but um, he flat said before the match, like, hey, don't beat me up too bad. It was like, going to make the team, no problem. And I actually, uh, like, the third kick of the match, I got locked up with his leg, and I actually uh, tore my MCL. So the one AAU experience I had, I uh, can't say ended too well.
0: Okay, because I have, I'm trying to, like, Place you in my past. And I know I've seen right. you fight back in the day, but like you didn't have a beard, and yeah, I for sure. you were still new. So like, and, and for anyone uh, listening, the um Stephen Lamb is supposed to have a beard. Um, right. Yeah, you're just one of those people. Like you look weird without it. But well, um, I'm like
2: twelve.
0: So yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so my coach made an AAU team, and I thought he fought you and lost, but then you like gave up the spot because USTU got pissed at you, and he ended up being on that team. And I couldn't remember if it was oh. you or not. And I... Was...
2: You know, that sounds incredibly familiar. <laughs> but... Right. Uh, uh, it, so, like, it... I, like, this sounds super pretentious, and I don't mean it to sound like that, but it's, like, all those teams and everything start to blur together, and I will frequently have somebody from, like, a 2005 junior team come up to me and be like, hey, man, do you remember when this happened? And I'll be like, oh, no. shit, you're right. I completely forgot about that. So it's, like, it's definitely... Um, it's the it's the my Ferrari is too fast kind of complaint yeah I mean, it's not a real problem at all but it's one of those like I it makes me feel like it like it makes me basically feel like I'm Mariah Carey in that like I had this crazy success but I don't remember any of it and so it's like people will be like oh my god you remember when you said that thing and I feel like a complete jerk because I have to do the hey man we were on team once together I've literally been on 30 national teams I don't remember and it's like like I said, I, yeah. I hate saying it because it makes me feel like a complete piece of shit.
0: No, no, it's okay, man. Um, see. Yeah. That's about all I've got, man. Cool. Yeah. So, um, where can people find you, like, you know, online, in person, what do you have, like, how, if they want to contact you?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, you can pretty much at Stephen Lambden and, and literally pretty much every social media platform except for OnlyFans. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I'm pretty good at responding on, on all of it. Uh, if you Google it, I obviously have my own website that's mainly for like the strength and conditioning stuff. But yeah, I, I always tell people it's like, um, if you have questions, like I, I try to be super approachable. I might not see it quick in that I'm not always the best at responding because I have all my notifications turned off because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure my iPhone's trying to kill me. But... It's like, I will eventually get to it. I promise you just, I just ask people to be a little patient if they have a question. All
0: right on. All right, cool. Well, you got any questions, Mike? Anything don't I don't have you?
1: any questions. Just thank you very much for taking the time and giving us some knowledge. It was great.
2: No, hey, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And I, I'm always worried in these situations that I talk way too damn much. So
0: nah, That's what okay. it's all about. <laughs> hey man, that was the point. We want to hear from you. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. And Yeah, thanks for
2: having me,
0: man. Yeah, hope to talk to you again soon. Um, Look forward to another Saturday. And, uh, you know, keep training, my man. Oh, one more question.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So the the 2020 Olympics may happen in 2021. I'm hoping it actually does. Are you qualified for the team?
2: Uh, So Team USA didn't qualify a heavyweight. Right now I'm trying to get picked up by a European country.
0: Oh, you're switching countries?
2: <laughs> well, that's the attempt. Are you
0: pointing an Aaron Cook? Okay. We're trying to. Nice. Um, I was because I, I I was wondering what the qualification process was like this year.
2: Yeah, um, so the Pan Am region, uh, the, the the only two regions that still have qualification events are the Asian and the European regions. Um, okay. the problem that I'm having in switching countries is because of COVID, a lot of the smaller countries that uh, there's two in particular that are interested in me, um, have basically said, yeah, we would love to do this, but right now our government is basically shut down, so we can't get you a passport. And so I'm kind of in this weird limbo of like, uh, I'm training for the European Olympic qualifier at the beginning of May, but 50-50 on whether or not it happens purely because I don't know if I'll be able to get a passport at the
0: time. Oh, right on. Okay. Okay, and do you want me to cut this out? Is this secret?
2: No. Uh, I, I think I think
0: pretty much everybody knows it so all right cool all right yeah I'm not really in the world anymore so I don't pay that much attention so <laughs> oh, I
2: appreciate I, I appreciate the question most people would have uh, taken it and run with it but I I tend to uh, keep the policy that even though I like you guys you guys are super friendly I don't say anything that I'm not comfortable with you know, my grandma hearing, so to speak. Uh, For sure. Hence why I have the
0: disclaimer when I emailed you that we swear, if you're uncomfortable with that, let me know. I tell everybody (laughs) that that comes on the show. (laughs) Uh,
2: You, 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 uh, I'm a professional athlete. I've been around the scum of the universe for the last 20 years. I think I can handle
0: bombs. Oh man. Yeah. I'm sure we could swap some stories on that one. Um, Next cast. Next (laughs) time. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, man well yeah thank you again for taking the time um I'm gonna check out that layered superfood yeah for sure, sure. yeah,
2: yeah. Let, let, let me know if you guys like it it's uh, uh you guys are probably more the coffee experts than me so if it tastes like crap feel free to let me know
0: <laughs> we' we're, we're getting there and but maybe we recommend finding a local roaster and getting some of that coffee somewhere, oh, right, near, yeah. you, somewhere near you someone near you someone somewhere close to you someone roasts coffee and I'm telling you like fresh locally roasted coffee from someone you know is freaking amazing it is.
2: Dude, I'm going to Google this right now.
0: Yeah, you're going to have a lot of fun with that. And, All uh, right. It's it's cool, man. Quite the community out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, it's uh, On the bright side, I already have a beard, so I can go straight to Portland.
0: Perfect. Do it. All yeah. right, right <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you, and I'll, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, no worries. Have a good one. You have too. a good weekend.
2: All right, All bye. Right. See you guys. All
0: right, dude, that was dope. That was awesome. All right, Freaker. so finishing up, final thoughts, Mike.
2: Uh, I
1: mean, I really was kinda like just kind of like downloaded a lot of stuff. I asked for someone who's an elite athlete like that. I'm just kind of like, what's your secrets? <laughs> what do you? What's the, the key to being elite? We <laughs> you had secrets. Yeah, he freaking gave you the system. Yeah, and now I'm like looking forward to implementing some of that. So like, but isn't it isn't it cool? Very. Smart. Like the dude's thought it through. Yep. You can, of course he's had to. He's been in that game for that long and been relevant like, in the game. For he's that been long.
0: relevant for a long time. And like, like I said, the progression of his change is unbelievable. Right. And right. um to to have boiled it down. He took like, say like, he talks about a dude named Tim Factory. Me and Tim are the same age. We started that process, but mm-hmm. we're never really able to finish it. Mm-hmm.
1: He's
0: and trying to finish it. He finished it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he got rid of all the crap right. of we still had to train in all the crap and try to pull the good out. And he was able to sort of to pull all the crap out hey, good and still make the good recipe and still be able to compete and be successful. Yeah. And, Oh man, it's so fascinating because that's kind of training's my obsession. The right. training efficiently is the thing I really, really love. <laughs>
1: that's such a nitpicky thing. It's like one of the best people, one of the best training people one of the best everything you're diving deeper and deeper nitty gritty and, like, mm-hmm. and that shows obviously has the results so
0: to, to see a guy who's boiled it down does most of his training by himself
1: mm-hmm. that's what the other thing is like i do a lot of my training by myself i want to know like what the key is to train by yourself for the most part like, yeah and and me how too. However yeah. many keys i can gather
0: but yeah yes yeah. he, he was like a pioneer of it right and right. has really really done it to like this this elite level where it's just simple, right? He doesn't put a ton of hours into it. It's not Deficient overly physically overall. difficult. It's just what wins,
1: what doesn't, happen. what
0: doesn't, it how ready. do I recover? I do. Like it's super amazing. And he's such a nice dude, right? Very
1: nice. Very humble. Very down to
0: earth. Great talk to you. Just a great guy.
1: It's yeah. a great hang. So looking forward to more with him. That'd be super fun. Get getting... now that yeah. I have a little background and stuff. I can actually generate questions for him.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll, um, maybe another time but yeah right. it's also um um i'm gonna start asking more people from my old world yeah to come on super and cool. what if, it, if it's anything like that we're gonna get like a a growth perspective
1: yeah
0: of i'm not the only one on the journey right. you know i've only i felt like that for a long time because i'm not in contact with anybody i um Well, contact a contact is like giving perspective yep and it's very cool that um to see a dude who's still active is still really good that's been able to implement all of that right it's just so cool and just yeah like i said he's just so nice yeah Damn. No, i mean he <laughs>
1: cleared up things in my head like conceptually mm-hmm. you know uh-huh. so uh oh. yeah that was great all right all right y'all
0: well um check out today's coffee which we didn't even really mention today right Brushtail. brush tail brush, brush tail yeah their peaberry yeah their pea berry yeah
2: terrific
0: yeah and uh, keep your coffee regular yeah everybody. peace in uh-huh.